Welcome to Fried, the ultimate guide to burnout podcast. If you've ever been burnt out because of your job, your relationship, or just your life, this is the place for you. We will talk all things burnout by sharing deep stories of personal transformation each week with a new guest who vows to share their stories without leaving out the scary bits. This is raw, honest, and brought to you by acupuncturist and burnout coach Kate Denovan, whose own experiences make her determined to change the current burnout culture. Hi, everybody. Some quick housekeeping before we start. I wanted to let you guys know that within the next two weeks, I will be starting a crowdsourcing campaign to raise the funds to get my book, The Bounce Back Ability Factor, which is all about burnout for female entrepreneurs. I will be looking to crowdsource it so that I can get it properly edited, properly published with a wonderful book design so that it reaches as many people as possible. So please, if you are not following me on Instagram or you're not on my Facebook page, please find me in either of those places so that you will not miss the chance to be one of the first people that gets my book. I will be sending out advanced reader copies to those of you who are supporting me right from the get-go. And I'm super excited to do this because I know this book can change lives. So keep your eyes peeled for that campaign because it is coming soon. All right, here's this week's episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Fried the Burnout Podcast. Today, I would love to introduce you to Lisa Fitzpatrick, who is the founder of Sacred Women's Business Coaching. She supports spiritual women in service-based businesses to expand their online and offline presence. Lisa is committed to making a fierce feminine stand for high-achieving conscious women leaders to tap into their feminine wisdom and find their leading edge and leave their legacy. Lisa believes that spiritually aware women who are prepared to do the inner and outer work of realizing their life purpose will heal the world and support a feminine shift towards greater balance and equality for all beings. The more awakened women who take empowered leadership positions in the world and through their businesses, the greater the potential for healing our troubled world. Sacred Women's Business was proud to be an official Osmompreneur expert in 2016. Lisa is a certified coach, best-selling author, yoga teacher, workshop facilitator, keynote speaker, and registered physiotherapist specializing in women's empowerment and embodiment practices. She lives in a subtropical paradise near Byron Bay and is the proud mother of two sons. Lisa Fitzpatrick, welcome from the other end of the world to the show today. (laughs) Thank you so much. Yeah, it's wonderful to be here. I'm so excited to have you. I read through your website and prep for our talk and read through some of your blogs and took a a gander at your book. And I am really, really thrilled to have this conversation because you are somewhere who has been there, someone who has been there. I certainly have. You certainly (laughs) have. So I would love to start the show with your burnout story. What happened? Where were you? Give us all the grit. 
Oh, the grit. Wow. Well, look, on the surface, it didn't look like it was, um, it was so bad in the sense that having two healthy, beautiful young sons and a healthy, you know, body and um, my, my partner and I had actually worked really hard. We owned two nice homes. I had two uni degrees. All of the external things were in place mm-hmm. um, and then the burnout happened. And I woke up one day realising that I felt like I was completely in the wrong life. I'd been partnered for 12 years. My sons were only three and five. But I think there was a disorientation because I had bought into the lie that if I was a good girl and I got my two university degrees and I bought my two houses and we had our two nice cars, that everything would be okay. I'd be happy. I'd be content. I'd be fulfilled. But on the inside, I was so broken that I just, my life pretty much imploded from that point. And I realized that unless I could find myself, I would be in grave danger of getting seriously unwell physically. That's really what felt like was at stake for me. It felt like if I didn't work out what my life purpose was and where, where I was supposed to be um, channeling my, my life, then I would end up getting very, very sick. So fast forward a few months, my relationship's broken down. We're going through a terrible, terrible separation. Um, I'm in a welfare queue. I'm 33 years old and I'm feeling like I cannot believe that I've almost, it was almost like, have I sabotaged all of these external trimmings of success? Have I just, you know, lit them on fire and found myself in this Centrelink queue, this welfare queue, you know, because I've been a a terrible, bad person? Have I found myself here because this is a benevolent or a divine opportunity for me to reinvent myself from the inside out? And it was a real day of reckoning because I remember thinking, Caitlin, there is nobody in my life right now that I feel I can turn to for good guidance about, you know, for coaching men or mentorship about what my strengths are, who I really am. The only person who can really understand those things is me. Yeah. But it really pointed it to me to this lack of genuinely inspiring women around me at that time who could be like guides or mentors or coaches for me that I decided that if I was able to get my life together again and if I was able to reinvent and recreate myself then I would become that worthy mentor to as many other women who were feeling as lost as I was at that time, yeah? So it was interesting because it was the very lowest point in my life that showed me my life purpose. And I think that's such an important part of this journey is that we think that our soul purpose realisation or our life purpose realisation will come from this positive and light-filled place, which, which often it does for people. But for me and for many of my clients, the only way we can be pointed to our true destiny and to our true life purpose is when we have hit rock bottom. 
and when there is nothing left. <laughs> and we're all, all we've got to rely on at that point is our intuition or our street smarts. And I think everything's cut away. All the bullshit, you know, all the crap is literally thrown into the quagmire. It's a, it, it, it's a messy place. And yet what emerges, the phoenix rising, the lotus that comes out of the mud, is exactly what was needed to shape us into who we're, who we're becoming. But the problem is with stories is that we see the happy beginning and then we see the happy ending. And the struggle in the middle of the heroine's journey is a particularly interesting one, I think, um, when we look at it from the heroine's journey, not the hero's journey, yeah. which is really one where there's a descent into the underworld. And it's a time when we actually have to have the dark night of the soul to really understand who we are without those external false uh, bearings that yeah. society has pushed us towards as women. You know, I thought that becoming a mother and being a wife and being a, someone who, a, a woman who went to university was, I bought into the lie that that would make me a sufficient individual. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, when I think about it, I think how many of us fall into that because that's what society tells us that we should be. Yeah. And then how many of us wake up and realise that actually, well, hang on a second, I'm a traveller. I'm someone who challenges the status quo. I don't do well inside a very mainstream society. I don't feel right about um, a lot of the things that we're doing with the planet right now. And to own those things takes a lot of courage because I think we have to go against the mainstream a lot to really assert our true and unique way of being in the world and to be healthy and happy and well-adjusted, which sounds so counterintuitive sometimes, doesn't it? What yeah. are your thoughts on this one? My first job when I finished my master's degree, my master's degree is in Chinese medicine. My first job when I finished that degree was in a fertility center. Mm. And it was during that time that I chose not to have children. Mm. And something that you just spoke about was one of the reasons that there's, mm. this, there's this belief or this societal expectation placed on women that once you have a child, you will be fulfilled. Yes. And I was helping women have babies. I did. I mean, I probably by the time I left Poland, I feel like it was a few hundred at least children that wow. I helped people have. You know, I was treating wow. 80 people a week. It, I was very, very busy. There was a lot happening. And it seems like this really great thing. And I watched these women who waited sometimes nine, 10 years to get pregnant, wow. have children, and then a couple of years later come back to me because they were unfulfilled and they didn't know what else to do. Mm, and I thought to myself, that's not a road to fulfillment. And I already had questions for myself about whether or not that was a smart path. I really like time and freedom and I don't like a lot of structure and I especially don't like being on other people's schedules. Yes. And I started thinking about whether or not that was good for me, but there's mm. this belief that that's part of what fulfillment is. And mm. I just kept yeah. meeting these women who were waiting in line for that fulfillment. Yes. 
and yes. paid for it and and wow. suffered for it. Wow. Wow. And not all of them. Some people do find fulfillment in that. And, yes, and that's wonderful. Of course. Of course. of course. But I wouldn't say it was the majority. Mm-hmm. Not in my experience. So I feel like that's a really important thing to talk about, those expectations on women. And the other mm-hmm. thing about the heroine's journey and the need to go through what's known in the spiritual world as the dark night of the soul, which basically just means a big life crisis. Mm. I don't know too many people who have found the place they're going to without going through something. Mm, And I, I don't believe, I don't know that I know anyone that's come to it through a place of light. I know, I think everyone Mm. that I know has come to it, has come to it from a place of darkness, but here Mm -hmm. is the, my shtick with it. Mm, mm. Everybody's darkness is a different grade of dark Mm, and mm. we're not supposed to compare them. And I think that sometimes when we are in our own darkness, we don't believe it's bad enough Mm -hmm. for us to grasp the light. Yes, yes, yes. That's Right, and you even said Mm. that just now in your story. Like, it wasn't that bad compared to, Mm. it doesn't matter. Yes, yes, yes. It's true, isn't it, that the grades of dark are different and yet the suffering still fills the soul. So I remember once hearing that suffering is suffering, it still fills the soul. So if we, and I I agree with you, Caitlin, as women, we, we are also very conditioned to be extremely resilient about our emotions because there is this subliminal and sometimes overt uh, pressure on women to contain their emotional selves for the fear of coming across as being the irrational, hysterical female. And yet it's in our our emotional um, intelligence and our emotional sensibility and uh, um, connection that we gain our greatest sense of creativity, sexuality, sensuality. And for someone who is filled with Catholic suffering, especially mm. like I was, so I, so I had um, the, the Catholic guilt, yep. <laughs> you know, that was there from being a child. Yeah, well, welcome that, to the club. Oh, there we are, <laughs> yep. <laughs> and there was something so devastating about betraying the family lineage by waking up to becoming a sensual, fulfilled, sexually pleasured, alive and creative female like that in itself was a taboo at that point in my life it was like you you it's still a taboo yes yes and so the suffering that comes from us not wanting to wake up and be ourselves I think uh, I I mean there there is a very stereotypical saying about that isn't there don't dying with your music slowly dying with your music still inside you yeah, And I think that's incredibly tragic that many human beings feel that their music is trapped because of this guilt and this sense of repression towards the creative life force energy that has been given such a terrible love uh, and benevolence associated with it because of the fact as well, I guess, that as humans, we don't love change. Well, we don't love change and the people on the fringe of society have always been in danger. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's not been safe and it's more safe today than it ever has been. 
But if yes. we are going to go into, you know, generational, I just had a, um, a heart clearing done with a practitioner mm. that I love um, nearby me. And she said, well, what it, and she's very, very science-based. So she always gets a kick out of when things like this come out because she's like, I don't understand this, but this is what happens. She mm. said, you know, you're holding on to nine generations of female guilt in your family. Oh my so we're not yeah. just dealing with the fear of being on the fringe in today's world in which it still is scary, but it's less scary than it used yes. to be. There's yes. more space available. There are more safe havens in which you can be yes. who you need to be. You might need to you know, go there and, and be there and you have to surround yourself with it. It's not always available everywhere, but those yes. pockets exist. And yet still we can be reacting to emotions that never... Were, that weren't created within our lifetimes. Correct. I'm so um, I'm so with you on that. I think we uh, many of us have been called in our families, especially if we're the black sheep of our family. Um, to, we've been called to do the work of the ancestors of the whole family line. So um, I think our siblings might not understand us, but we're doing it on behalf of those beautiful um, and very fortunate people that don't question everything (laughs) (laughs) and they do settle for the status quo because to them that's perfectly acceptable or maybe it's not sometimes there is a there is a an a um a quiet desperation in those lives yeah and that's like you know that that's okay too it's not easy being on the front line of this work either we can't say there's a right or wrong choice no, for anyone no, just, but ourselves, isn't yeah, it? It's, yeah. It's, that's, the, that's the truth. And I could have stayed the doctor's wife and been a very well-kept woman. And I laugh sometimes about <laughs> that now because I just think, imagine me being that woman who stayed and yeah. what might I have been um, as someone who, who didn't need to wake up to um, being out in the world and out in that front line so much because I, I, I would have been materially well provided for within the framework of the mainstream yeah. relationship. Um, I would have had the status, I guess, that is afforded to someone with the titles and the, the again, the bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, we, yeah, we, we, um, we can't live someone else's life. And I think that was the other thing for me was realizing that I felt as though I was in the wrong life. Yeah. And that's a very, um, it, it's, it's something that I think is more common than, I, I don't hear many people speaking about that, but I think it's very common. Yeah, I think that it's not spoken about very often, but I think that there are people who will feel that in their bodies when they hear you say yes. it. Yes. Yes. So you found yourself, you went from being the doctor's wife and having all the sort of financial support that you could have needed. And then, uh, then day two, you're 33 and standing in the welfare line. (laughs) Virtually, virtually that was the, the, um, the end point of a six month journey that had resulted in my life imploding on many, many uh, fronts. And, and I guess the, the absolute one one thing I will say, which I think is really important to say, is that the terror or the fear that comes from having your life mapped out in front of you to actually realizing that you've been the uh, your own weapon of self destruction <laughs> <laughs> and the fear of knowing that 
the future was completely uncertain. There was not one single landmark on the timeline ahead of me that would show me where what my bearings were. I think that was probably so important for me when I think about the most important skill that I feel um, coaching and mentoring women offers. And that is the skill that women have to find their internal compass, no matter what the world around them is throwing at them. Yeah. So there's this innate wisdom that we carry in our bodies. And for those of us who were brought up Catholic, who detached ourselves from our bodies as quickly as possible as children or as young women, and who denied the sensual connection to our own innate wisdom, we were intellectualized by a patriarchal structure, i.e. university, college, whatever, what have you. Mm -hmm. And we have had to take a very, very dangerous journey from the heart to, to the womb, you know, to find that inner knowing. But, but like you said, you don't know anyone who's got to this place of deeper wisdom, understanding the moral compass that comes from us actually being so connected to our intuition that our decisions carve a very unique life path for us but one that is not being, um, sometimes we, we might be influenced and deviated by the opinions of others and by the outside world, but only for very short periods of time because that compass and that internal um, sense of, of where our true north is gets stronger and stronger as we age. Mm. And so right now, you know, I'm a perimenopausal woman. I'm, I'm 47 this year. I'm actually approaching an age where aging for women could be considered a very taboo, you know, thing and it, it could be very tempting to want to go and, and go for anti-aging treatments and all of the things that come with this fear of, of the external appearance of aging. But I'm also waking up to this beautiful sense that the older I get, the stronger that intuition comes. So I want to send a message to any younger woman out there who's listening that she has so much to look forward to <laughs> in that respect that if she keeps exercising, if a younger woman exercises her intuition, and I so wish someone had told me this when I was so lost and confused about my direction, the more we use that muscle, the stronger and clearer it gets. And the more um, courage we garner in our hearts to do what truly ignites us and vitalizes us. So the point of this, because this is a burnout discussion, is that this is the key to us revitalizing as we age. So rather than us feeling that, oh my gosh, my heyday was in my 20s and 30s, you know, I'm going to slowly fade out now. <laughs> I just want to really touch the, the spirit of, of the, the women who think that um, getting into their 40s and 50s might not be such a desirable prospect because it's just an amazing opportunity for those incredible crone-like um, powers to be cultivated and uh, yeah I'm excited about the decades ahead 
Yeah, I'm, aging has yeah. never been something that really bothered me. I'm, I'm, oh, I like it. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> that's wonderful. <laughs> I'm a big fan of it, and um, I think that I've had quite a few discussions with my mother over the past few years. You know, she is beyond menopause at this point, and she mm-hmm. says that now she just, as the as time continues, her and her friends have similar experiences that things that they put up with for a long, long time they just don't anymore, and because they literally. <laughs> They literally can't, like they can't yes. allow themselves yes. to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've gained a lot of wisdom by speaking with my mother that way, because it means to me that I don't have to wait that long yes. to not put up with stuff. Like I can choose to not put up with stuff today, even my own yes. stuff. We're not just talking yes. about dealing with other people. We're talking about our own internal bullshit as well. <laughs> I love it. I don't have to put up with that. I can make a different choice. I can do things differently. I can wake up and say, well, Katie, if you don't want it that way, then practice until it's different. Yes. Nice. That's lovely. The power to choose, the freedom to choose. That's so freeing. That's beautiful. You're, you're, um, you've clearly got a beautiful role model in your mother. That's I wonderful. Do. I do. My grandmother as well was an amazing part wow. of my life. I've had some strong women. They also passed yes. down those nine generations of guilt. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have it all. Yeah. So, so like, thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks for that. <laughs> I do so, think it's so important to have those women around us. And that was one And if you don't have them given to you in your family, then you have to find them for yourself correct correct absolutely yeah absolutely so Mm -hmm. you you were in the welfare line what happened next (laughs) um what happened was the worst year of my life my my pop suicided um my 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 we we went on a camping trip with the girls to with with my girlfriends to uh, prove to the world that we could cope without our husbands because we, we a group of five of us had all recently separated so we went on a camping trip that year and lost a child a child was um unfortunately fatally bitten by a snake on oh, that trip no. so we lost a child and we were ringing our ex-partners at two in the morning from the hospital needing these men to come and, and needing these poor men to come and oh help be, and realizing that actually we, we we do need to um, we do need to work in collaboration with our men. We can't just think of um, you know we were we were being so feminist about this camping trip, and it was such a good realization to realize that actually this journey requires us to do the work on behalf of our men and our sons as well as women. Um, they don't do well when we don't do well, so. So that so I, so I guess I'm on a bit of a quest there to 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 really explain feminism as a necessity for equality for for men as well, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that year was just the most. Um, it was the most horrific time. But uh, when I emerged from that year, we did face a long, many years of hardship in this cycle of uh, near homelessness actually because the housing situation in my local area is really set up for the affluent Mm -hmm. and so my sons and I I found us renting on welfare in a in in a in a an area of Australia where really it wasn't ideal so we ended up moving house about nine times in nine years it took me forever 
to get my myself to that point where I could establish sacred women's business coaching. I honestly didn't think at many, many times along the way, I didn't think I would make it to create the dream. So I, I thought that was really important to say that too. It wasn't an overnight thing that I stood in the welfare queue and said, if I get my life together, I'll become a worthy mentor. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did run um, a yoga business throughout that time and, and yoga was the thing that helped me to come home and arrive fully in my body. And I think that was such a critical key to me getting to this place where I could actually physically stand my ground when it came to important life decisions independently. Um, I'd always known myself inside relationships. I hadn't known myself as that solo person making important adult decisions independently at that point. And so for that nine years of moving and doing a daily practice, I think there came a point where the fruits of my internal work were finally able to take root and I was able to buy a home and I was able to really get sacred women's business coaching off the ground. And I believe that the organic slow nature of that process is what has supported a fairly sustainable business for me. Whereas I have watched a lot of women around me, especially in the coaching industry, who perhaps have had meteoric success overnight or, you know, seemingly overnight where it's been a very quick path to a highly, you know, charged and abundant business. But the unfortunate consequence of that is what goes up must come down. So that sort of fast food approach to business, I think, um, is very deceiving and it's not one that has a lot of longevity in it. So my approach with business now is to look for the long-term, slow-cook, wholesome, you know, approach where we just gently and organically grow ourselves as humans. And that works. That works for my me. It works for my clients. And many of my clients have been with me for the six years that I've run this business. <laughs> and um, and I think it's nice to think we, we form lifelong and long-term re- relationships within our businesses as well. Yeah, I found this to be true for myself. I've had acupuncture practices in Warsaw and in Prague. Um, and now we just got back to the United States. By the time this podcast comes out, it would have been nearly a year since we came back to the States. But at this moment, it's been just a few months. And um, I ruptured my Achilles tendon just after we got here. So oh, I haven't been able to start working right away, which wow. has allotted me the space to make decisions that are out of alignment instead of out of hurry. Yeah, beautiful. But Lovely. I've I've been successful in business before and I burnt out every time. I see, yes. So I think yes. that this the the fall that comes after that big rise is often burnout mm-hmm. because people are mm-hmm. building businesses based mm-hmm. on how much money they can make. They realize yes. how much money they can make, they make the money and then they burn yes. out because they didn't realize yes what it was going to take to sustain it, which parts of the business they like and which parts they don't like. When you have to crawl through it on your own, even with guidance, because I've had coaches along the way that have been extremely helpful, 
But yes. as I build the coaching business and as I crawl yes. through it on my own, I'm yes. constantly shifting yes. what that business is going to do for me, what it means for me, how much I'm yes. available, what how much time I want to spend speaking, how much time yes. I want to spend doing one-on-one -on -one work versus group work versus this podcast versus, versus, versus. Yes, yes, yes. And you, when you make those choices slowly, yes. you have the time to try them on. Yeah. Because you don't yes. know if they fit until you try them on. That's so true, isn't it? That's one heartbreaking reality that I think often happens. Um, and I've seen a few times is this idea that we think we know what we want to do with our business and some women will go as far as creating the website and investing in all of the branding and the bells the, and whistles the bells and whistles and then they get into that particular service delivery and say wow I don't even like yeah. uh, doing this work so yeah. I think it's very important for us to start at that grassroots level and ask those in, those hard questions of our heart and our soul that what are we actually here for? And, you know, in this world of technology too, it's very easy to be, again, misled into thinking, oh, I better become a Facebook expert and an Instagram expert and a website designer and all of these things. And yet, actually, your life purpose is not that, is it? It's here to be, you're here to be a thought leader, a change agent, a transformative force in someone else's life. And if you spend your time on Facebook and Instagram away from your core purpose, that's going to be a very fast path to burnout. So how do we solve this when perhaps we're not ready to outsource those things to others um, who are experts in those areas and, and where, where they, they love that work? And how do we make sure we stay in our core business? Yeah, it's, it's a big question for the creative woman who's waking up to all of her multiple talents. Mm -hmm. And like you said, Caitlin, you know, there's so many hats we could wear in this, um, in this game. And what is it that really ignites us and that where we find our greatest sustenance? I'm asking those questions because burnout is more prevalent, as you know, than ever before, despite women having these opportunities. To, um, I think to it, I don't even think it's despite I think it's because of because of mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because yes. of it. some when you when you only can do one thing when your options yes. are limited you might yes. not like it and you might yes. be unhappy about it but yes. there's no choice so you put your head down and you do it yes. and I think that yes. the downside of privilege being racial mm. privilege and or the yes. privilege of making choices that feminism has brought us, which, whichever it yes. happens to be, or both, you know, depending both. on the situation. Yes. yes. The, the problem with privilege is that it does give you a choice and that when you have a choice, you have to make one. And when you make mm -hmm. the wrong one, you can feel it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's, um, it's one of the reasons I, I wrote my book, um, yeah. Healing the Heart of Your Business, too, because I think there's also this risk. I, I live in a very, uh, a very spiritually minded community, I guess. Um, you could call it Byron Bay's a plethora. We, there's healers everywhere. There's yoga, yoga teachers and classes everywhere. There's yeah. any kind of healing modality you'd like to get your healing from is here. 
And there's also a feminine shift occurring in general where women are waking up to their feminine power. But feminine energy is a very cyclic one and it's very spontaneous and it often doesn't like to fit into structure. And Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that that can be a disaster for a woman who is that way inclined to actually try to build masculine structures into her business. Yeah, system-based business. System-based business, exactly. And yet we we need to have a good balance between the feminine, I call them the, the feminine and masculine poles of our business. And the feminine pole I call the East Pole because it's the emotional currency of the business that gives us the, the drive. Our masculine side is the West Pole, which is a little bit leaning more towards the capitalist pole, I guess, where we are putting our systems and processes in place. And to be allergic to those masculine systems and processes does not serve us to truly maximise the potential of our feminine power either. So how do we straddle those two polarities and give them some equal attention whilst remaining um, in our sole purpose, which I call the North Pole. And then, you know, we, we also have to understand what our body's telling us about these decisions as well because how often do we override what our physiology is screaming at us to yeah. listen to? Yeah. <laughs> you know, your poor body, Katie, I'm thinking of you with your ankle yeah, yeah. Um, taking that move forward in life to a, you know, to a new beginning. Yep. Isn't it interesting that our body will throw us an injury like that? That's a that's huge injury. I have you to sit say. down. <laughs> sit down now. You sit down and you sit down and wait. And I'm I'm not a, I'm not a good sitter downer. <laughs> oh, you remind me. You reminded me of working in the orthopedics ward of um, Gold Coast Hospital in my early years as a physio and every single person in that ward who had an ankle injury or a knee injury who was sitting in that hospital bed with their leg elevated said to me life was telling me to slow down (laughs) 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 I'm here to do my thinking time I didn't have any time to think before this happened now I know why this happened it's amazing well and you know it's I have been in the healing arts for such a long time already that when it happened, Mm -hmm. I had had Mm -hmm. an interview the day before and that went well and I thought, okay, I'll do this. And and something was a little bit off about it, but but there was no, this is the, and this is the trick, right? There was no good reason for anything to be off. The person that interviewed me was lovely. The space that she had was lovely. Everything about it was right. And there was... Uh 10% 10% of me, 90% of me was like, go for it, girl. And 10% mm. of me was like, something's not right. So before I went to bed <laughs> that night, I said, okay, I, with the ancestors, I, because the, that is who I call my, my team. So I called on my team and I said, okay, ladies and gents, can you tell me, make sure that this is this, the right decision. Just make yeah. it clear to me that this is the right decision because I haven't gotten any clarity from you on this and I need, you know, a little more direction mm. here. Mm. I woke up in the morning and I didn't have any dreams and I was like, well, how mm. am I supposed to figure it out if you're not telling me anything? Mm. Mm. And then I went to a kickboxing class and the class mm. was amazing. It was so mm. good. I was mm. super pumped and I used to be a gymnast. I grew up as a gymnast. Yes. So oh, I decided yes, to do, yeah. I, I right. decided to do a round off. 
ah, uh, yes, yes. And so I was super pumped. I did the round off and I crashed to the floor. <gasps> and I was like, okay, maybe this place isn't the right thing. Oh, wow. 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 Right. Isn't that interesting that you're, yeah. But there was yeah. no reason for it to be on paper. There was no reason for yes. it to be wrong. And I still mm. think that the place is magical and wonderful. The The atmosphere that this woman is creating sure. in her office is absolutely, absolutely on yes. point. Yes, yes, yes. I hear you. I hear you. I think um, I sometimes we can... Um, again on the outside it's like my old life I, I had it all you know yeah. it, it looked really in everything looked like it was in its perfect place the white picket fence the two lovely kids <laughs> yeah. all we needed to round that picture off was probably a dog you know yeah um, and yet there was something enough off that life needed the compass needed to to steer you and yeah, it's it's amazing that we think we can really have any certainty about what dharma um, or karma or life really wants for us as well. Yeah. And we forget that it's all working as a measure of, of support and favour because so often we would see, you know, um, a, an incident like what happened to you as an adverse incident Right. And yet, how do we not know that that was not the most biggest, the biggest blessing you could have ever had in your life at that point? And I guess that's the the, the beauty of life, isn't it? Is that some of us, sometimes we will never know until we're actually on our deathbed yeah. what it was that 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 um, actual event, life event, meant and why it was meant to steer us in a certain way, right? Yeah, it's a long term, a long term story that's not ended yet. <laughs> right. Well, and I think also the the difficult part about what we're saying, and the thing that mm. I want to get across on on this podcast overall, is mm. that the choices to live a more aligned life that will keep you away from burnout. Yes, making them does not mean that things are going to be easy. Like you said, it took yes. you nine years. Yeah, yeah, yep. But would you do it any other way? I look back and I just think if only I knew that it was all working in my favour. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one critical point that yep. do we not realise how loved we are? to have yeah, been given this precious human life. <laughs> we just don't. A lot of the time we don't. And, and maybe some of that does stem. This is why I love the spiritual work as well because sometimes that does stem from us believing that God is angry at us or that he's out to punish us for something we've done wrong. And that's, you know, that's a very child childlike Catholic, you know, thing that I've just said there. But many religions have this element yeah. But if we were to believe that our divine, you know, maker or, or goddess or creator or whatever we, we, we ascribe the word to, you know, mean, um, if, if that force loved us so much that it was actually the orchestrating these events for our highest good, wouldn't we just soften and relax a little bit and be less hypervigilant and less anxious? And how can we continuously remind ourselves of how loved we are? 
you know, what practice can we bring into our life that supports us to understand that actually we don't need to be the chief executive officer of the universe. (laughs) There is a force much, much greater than us that can do that for us. And that our main job is to get out of the way (laughs) so that that force can, you know, be, be that very thing for us. And yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for humanity at the moment, even though it looks as though we're in a lot of crisis and chaos, that there are just so many people waking up to the fact that, again, we're, we're, we, we've been given white privilege. There's, there's no doubt about yeah. that. We're in a very privileged place to be able to navel gaze in this manner. But those humans who are genuinely connecting to the benevolent life force and are determined to rewire us, you know, away from primitive, survival-only, lack-based, reflexive action, which is all about the survival of the fittest so that it causes, you know, destruction, dealing, all of the things that that are getting us into trouble that there is a, a new way forward for, for humans that basically enables us to relax into the green zone of the nervous system, which is one where there's more than enough for everybody. And the wealthy are more than happy to offer their riches to the poor. The equal distribution of wealth, which I think comes through conscious human spending, can actually enable every single human being to be well looked after. And just imagine if we could all feel the abundance of nature, the tree that gives way more fruit than what we can possibly eat. <laughs> you know, it's just crazy that we've disconnected from nature so heavily that we, we don't see that and feel that and, and operate like that as if that is true. Um, so let's um, let's all hope that we can all feel that that awakening process that loves us, that 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 wants the very best for us, that wants to feed and clothe and house us and give us more than enough. And again, I'm so self conscious about that coming from the privileged place that I yeah. come from. I don't take that for granted for one second. So if you saw somebody then, somebody's listening now and they're burnt out and they're saying, oh my God, nine years to get out of this, <laughs> the, the advice that you would give them would be to trust themselves more, to get out yes. of the way yes. and to believe that it's all happening for them instead of to them. Is that a good summary? Oh, that's a beautiful summary. One last ingredient that I'd like to plant, which the world needs as much of as it can get right now, is faith. Mm. Faith that 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 benevolent force is there. Faith that you can trust yourself and that you can trust life. Faith um, is at an all-time low. And um, faith means something different to every one of us, but it's a very personal journey. But please have faith. It's um, it's critical for us, for our, for us, um, for for humanity. I think to have faith. I think that's a beautiful thing to round up with, Lisa. Thank you, thank you, thank you so very much for that very inspiring conversation. I love to hear the other side. You know, that's always the nice part to hear the other side. But yes, I'm really glad to hear that 
out of all those nine years and the difficulties and the near homelessness and everything, the moving and all of it, that the one critique you have is, you know, I wish I would have realized I was more loved and I could get out of the way. That's, that's really not so bad. It's not so bad, is it? On a nine-year journey. <laughs> it's not so bad at all. Um, no, it's really no. not. And it's, it's, um, it, it, it's really beautiful to connect with you. Thank you for drawing out the, the, um, the best in our, in our conversation today. It's been an absolute pleasure to connect with you. Oh, thank you so much. All right, everybody, that wraps up another episode of Fried the Burnout Podcast. I hope that you can feel the energy of this conversation because I have been floating on air since the moment we started talking and I did meditation before we got started, but I know that Lisa's presence, just being present, was such a gift to us today. So I'm hoping that even months later, the energy from this particular podcast is felt through the airwaves because it's so, so palpable to me. Thank you again for being here and I will talk to you next time. Before you sign off, I just wanted to tell you that I sent out a survey recently to everyone that's on my newsletter and asked them for some feedback for season two of the podcast, which will be starting in April after we take a little bit of a break in March. And I'm super excited about it because every time I get feedback from you, it means that I can grow and shift and change this podcast into exactly what you need it to be. So one of the things that I heard was that you'd like more info straight from me. So I'm going to start a series called Hashtag Straight From Kate, where I will give you the information that I've gathered over the years with some very clear, actionable tips on what you can do to avoid burnout. These will be shorter episodes, maybe about 15 minutes long, that will be interspersed within the rest of the season. So they won't take up an entire week. They'll be like little bonus segments that I'm preparing just for you because you asked for them. And also, I would like everybody to be aware that I am available for personal help. So while on these interviews, I often don't share a lot of my own perspective because I'm leaving space for the guest, I do have a lot to offer you as far as my own experience and as far as mentoring you to go through burnout and avoid it in the future. So if you do feel like you could use my help and you want some help getting through burnout, please do not hesitate to contact me because this is my absolute favorite thing Favorite thing to do. Don't be afraid to reach out. And even if you just have a simple question, shoot me an email at kate at katedonovan.com and I will definitely get back to you within 48 hours, Monday through Friday. Holding boundaries is a very good burnout avoiding thing. So I will get back to you within that time frame. And I'm here for you. So if you're feeling burnt out, you don't know who to reach out to, you've listened to a couple of podcast guests and you're not sure which one would be the best fit for you, I'm also available to have that conversation with you. Just let me know what it is you need. If I'm your best option, I'll let you know that. But if your best option would be to work with someone else that I've interviewed on the podcast, then I'll tell you that too. So please don't be afraid to reach out. This podcast exists for 
you. And the feedback that I'm getting is that it's life-changing, that it's saving you and that it's helping you. Well, let's take that one step further and really truly make sure that your life is set up properly for you, that your business is set up to nurture you and sustain you instead of drain you and burn you out. So just send me a quick email, anything you need, kate at katedonovan.com, and I will be sure to get back to you. Thanks for being here. Ha 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 